The Fanboy, episode 110. Hi, everybody. Mario Francisco Robles, MFR here with you, and this is episode 110 of the Fanboy Podcast. How's everybody doing out there? Uh, I got to open things up right off the bat with the single biggest thing that there is to talk about, and that is the fact that we have not yet seen the last of Henry Cavill as Superman. It's, it's kind of crazy to think about because... I mean, if you were to add up the amount of time I've spent discussing the prospect, the hope, the desire, the yearning, the dream <laughs> that Superman would fly again and that Henry Cavill would get an opportunity to make a Superman movie for the ages and to further, I mean, truly, finally cement his legacy as the Superman for this generation, because for better or worse, that hasn't happened yet. And now... It looks like there's an opportunity for that because both Deadline and The Wrap published reports earlier this week claiming inside knowledge into the fact that apparently Henry Cavill and Warner Brothers are at the negotiation table in talks right now, hammering out a deal that would get him back in his blue tights under his big red cape ready to fly again. And now there's a lot of like, you know, speculation as to what it could be. One of the things that it apparently is not is a Man of Steel 2. Right now, the reports are that it would be for smaller appearances in other DC films. And that right now that there are no concrete plans for a Man of Steel 2. So right now it feels like, you know, the best of times and the worst of times, right? Because we're excited that Henry's coming back. But we're kind of bummed that, well, wait a minute, where's my Man of Steel 2? What's the point of having him back if we're not going to continue his epic story? What is the, you know, what is the point? But you know what? I kind of get it. I kind of get it. I really do. As much as it as it pains me to, to not be able to be like looking forward to a Man of Steel 2 coming out in June of 2022, you know, like whatever it, it would be, as much as I would love to have that specific thing to look forward to, we got to be realistic here. And that's that Henry had, you know, first debuted as Superman now seven years ago, and it hasn't exactly been a smooth ride, right? I don't really need to, you know, uh, kick all that up again, but we know, you know, whether you're in favor of the, some of the things that have happened, whether you're aghast at the way things have gone, no matter any way you slice it, you got to admit, Henry Cavill's Superman has not had a very easy go of it. These films have not been universally loved. They're, if anything, they're, especially with Justice League, there's been nothing but you know, controversy. And then obviously when Justice League came out and the whole thing with the blurry face and the mustache gates, you know, it, it just... Henry Cavill's Superman is not a sure thing. It's not a safe bet. It's not the kind of proposition that if you're Warner Brothers and you've got the checkbook opened, you look at Henry Cavill and his Superman and the run that he's had thus far, and you're not exactly racing to write another $200 million check or another $250 million check to bankroll a Superman, you know, another movie based around this Superman. The first thing you want to do is see if he's still 
still viable. See if people still care. And I think cameos and smaller appearances are a great way to do that because the audience will let you know if they're excited about a character. You know, the reviews will touch on it. The social media activity will touch on it. It'll tell the studio, oh, wait a minute. Okay, there is a huge groundswell of love and support for this Superman still. So now we can consider making another Superman movie. So that's what I think is going on. I think it's a very sort of smart sort of like vetting process that they're doing. They're going to let they're going to let him pop up in some other things and then determine whether or not there's enough interest to make a sequel. I know it's not ideal. I know it's not what we'd all just love to hear right now. It's starting to feel like DC fans can just ask for anything and they're going to get it. <laughs> Lately, we're feeling it feels awful spoiled, right? You know, the folks who wanted the Snyder Cut, now the Snyder Cut's on the way. Right away, people pivoted and started talking about the David Ayer cut of the Suicide Squad. And it looks like that is a real possibility. And then, of course, naturally, you hear you we're asking for Man of Steel too, and we're all like, all right, so where is it? You know, I expect it to happen now because I asked for it. And apparently that's the kind of phase we're in where we can just ask for stuff and get it. But um, listen, you know, we're not going to get Man of Steel 2 right away. And let's not be greedy. We're getting a lot. There's a lot to discuss here. So much has changed in the last few weeks. And before I get into, I guess, everything, let's let, let's just stay here on Superman for a bit. I know you're shocked. I know you're absolutely flabbergasted that I would want to extend the Superman portion of the show, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> so now the question becomes, where might we see this guy, right? Because, you know, I'm going to pull up the deadline article because, you know, they, they very kind of uh, in a detailed manner lay things out. You know, they mentioned that Wonder Woman 1984 and Suicide Squad have already completed. Obviously, Superman isn't expected to make a cameo in Matt Reeves' The Batman. You know, Deadline doesn't mention this, but we know that it's because the Matt Reeves' Batman is not supposed to be a continuation of the Ben Affleck Batman. So it's technically a completely different universe. So I don't even know why Deadline would feel the need to mention that. But hey, listen, they also spelled Zack Snyder's name with an H and they put a V, a period on the V in Batman v Superman. And as a former editor in chief, that stuff used to drive me nuts. There is no period in Batman v Superman. In the official title, it's just Batman v no period Superman. But Deadline put the period, so it goes to show you how much they know. And they didn't put the exclamation point on the word Shazam. So, you know, honestly, what are we doing here, Anthony? It's Yalisandro. Um, but either way, they mentioned it can't be Wonder Woman 1984. It can't be Suicide Squad. It won't be the Batman. Stuff that's on the way, though, is Shazam 2, Black Adam, and Aquaman 2. They mentioned those three as possibilities. And... Obviously, the biggest opportunity I see here is in either Shazam 2 or in Black Adam. Now, we should note, there's been a sort of update since then. But remember, this is all still loose. None of this is coming from official sources. This is all from Deadline or from The Wrap. And now Variety chimed in because Justin Kroll tweeted something earlier this week saying that, it would not be the Black Adam movie that's going to have Superman in it, that he already checked in and that it's more likely he's going to appear 
in a film that contains a character he's already shared screen time with. So that would obviously mean Aquaman 2. But listen, that's what Justin Kroll is hearing. That's from his sources. That's from, you know, the, the trees he's been shaking. And, you know, not to take anything away from him, but listen, while we're in this zone where everything is kind of moving and changing and there's things that we can't necessarily predict happening all the time lately, you know, I'm still of the mind that there's a very strong possibility he ends up in Black Adam. And, you know, for a myriad of reasons, you know, but obviously there's the whole Dwayne Johnson connection where they're both managed by Danny Garcia. There's the fact that Dwayne Johnson has been very vocal about wanting to tussle with Superman on the big screen and that he and Henry have a good relationship. So, you know, there's there's already been those sort of peripheral things. But why would they reveal that any sooner than now if they're going to put Superman in there? Why would they reveal that sooner than now? If you think about it, that would be a huge spoiler. That would be a huge thing to get out that's going to almost sort of overshadow the Black Adam movie. And the Black Adam movie already has a lot of ground to cover. According to the rumors and everything, you know, it starts in the, uh, in the early 1900s where he fights the Justice Society. And then they lock him up in some thing, and then he awakens in present day, and the Justice Society must reassemble to bring him down again. You know, it sounds like it's going to have its own very epic storyline. They don't need to be mentioning that Superman may show up at the very end. Listen, again, I'm not saying that he will, but I'm saying it wouldn't surprise me if there was very tight lips, very lock and key sort of protection and security around any kind of Henry Cavill cameo in Black Adam, especially since this prick who you know ran this blog called Revenge of the Fans told everyone about Superman's apparent cameo in Shazam way before that was ever supposed to be official. Because remember, folks, I broke that story and I kind of spoiled that moment. And then, listen, a lot of things ended up changing. We know that there was contract issues and they ended up just using the body double and you couldn't see Henry's face. But, you know, when those things get out, it spoils surprises in advance. And I kind of did that. I kind of blew a surprise. In February of 2018, I told everyone that in April of 2019, we were going to see Superman in Shazam. So listen, I would not be surprised if they are making absolutely certain not to reveal any cameos or spill any secret beans to anybody especially with all of this being so fresh. So much of what's happening right now is happening sort of as we go. Things are evolving and taking shape on the fly, especially because of the quarantine, because of COVID, because of the pandemic. All of Hollywood's on limbo right now. So there's all this time to put plans in action, to pause other things, to alter certain things that are on the horizon, because Hollywood is always go, go, go. We're going on to the next thing. It's move, move, move. We don't have time to think too much. We have to get all these logistics in place. But right now, there's not a lot of that going on. There's a lot of time to figure out and assess what's going to happen. Like, for example, Black Adam is probably going to get delayed. You know, because Dwayne Johnson is, you know, already one of the most busy people in all of Hollywood. And I believe he had a movie he was supposed to be filming now. 
So that's probably going to be keeping him busy when the quarantine's over and when the pandemic is ended. And that's why I no longer think we're getting Black Adam in December of 2021. So with that in mind, if Black Adam's probably going to be delayed, that means there's tons of time to figure out a way to get his Superman into Black Adam. But again, I don't want to like die on that mountain. I don't know where where or when it's going to happen. But right now, what makes the most sense to me is not trying to get Superman involved with Aquaman. It's getting Superman further involved with Shazam, right? Because we had that little headless cameo in Shazam. So there's perhaps another possibility of, you know, of Shazam seeking Superman's perhaps mentorship or something along those lines. And now instead of having a headless cameo, you could actually have, you know, Henry Cavill Superman having a conversation with Billy Batson on a rooftop discussing what it means to be a hero. And I would kill to see that scene. So, you know, I think Shazam or Black Adam are the most obvious, most likely places we'll be seeing Superman again. And if those go well, then we'll be rewarded with a Man of Steel 2, which is just sort of insane when you think about it. Because if you would have asked me, I don't know, 10 days ago, if there was a chance of a Man of Steel 2, I would have told you no. If you would have asked me 10 days ago if there was a chance that there was going to be the release of the Snyder Cut. I would have told you, well, maybe, but probably not. If you would have asked me 10 days ago if we were going to get the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad, I would have said definitely not. If you would have asked me 10 days ago that when HBO Max launches, if it was going to label its DC section the DCEU, the DC Extended Universe, I would have said not a chance in hell. That's not the official title. That's just what some reporter from Entertainment Weekly called it a few years ago. And look, HBO Max now calls it the DCEU. It really is starting to feel like somebody over there at AT&T spends an awful lot of time on Twitter trying to figure out what DC fans on Twitter like and don't like, because this is uh, utterly bizarre in all the best, most epic ways possible. <laughs> And yeah, honestly, it's very important to note how we got here, because honestly, the way we got here is the story, because here you have a film studio that was on the verge of a corporate merger racing against time to try to launch this huge multifaceted sort of shared universe, right? They hire Zack Snyder as the central architect. They invest hundreds of millions of dollars. They get all these movies into some state of production, all practically simultaneously. And then they get cold feet. They try to do a 180. They try to use a personal tragedy to form a narrative that gets one director, you know, the, their central architect, basically out of the picture. They go through all these crazy hurdles to try to redo Justice League, to augment Suicide Squad, and to completely change the trajectory of where things had been going. And then you have two weird years of 
up and down sort of inconsistent results with their quote unquote plan B. And now you have the new owners who took over after on the other side now of that corporate merger going, hey, all that stuff you guys did to try to like fix up the DC thing before the merger, we're going to undo that because what you had going prior to that generates a hell of a lot more excitement and attention, consistently speaking, than what you've got going now. Because there's been no like coherent vision for what DC on film is anymore. Ever since Justice League, everything has just been kind of thrown around. It feels very sort of slapped together. And if you're going to do such a dramatic 180, then you've got to give fans a clear idea of where we're going now. You know, because you can't just rip away what was already being built and then just kind of go like, and now uh, we'll see what happens. You'll see. It'll be great. What it's going to be, eh, I don't know. But it, it's going to just have faith that it'll be awesome. You know, that's not the way this works. If you're going to do this huge, drastic overhaul, if you're going to make us swallow a Superman with a blurry face and a Bruce Wayne that can barely fit into his bat suit, and you're going to give us a Justice League that gives us a tease for the Hall of Justice with Bruce and Diana discussing how the Hall is going to be and how we need to leave room at the table for more chairs, and then you're going to give us a post-credit sequence that teases the Legion of Doom. You know, if you're going to like do all this stuff with your Justice League and then not deliver on any of that and completely just scrap the original thing you were doing also, then what are we doing here? You know, you're not going to deliver on on the, on the on what Snyder was promising. You're not going to deliver on more Justice League stuff or any Legion of Doom stuff. Instead, you're going to wait a year and change and give us Aquaman, and then you're going to give us Shazam, and then you're going to give us Joker, and then you're going to give us Birds of Prey, but there's still no real sense for, all right, but like, where are we going now? What is, you know, for better or worse, fans have been conditioned now to kind of, you know, follow these big overarching mythologies, you know, for better or worse, you know, the DCEU was doing that, right? Through the first few films, there was a very sort of clear path we were on. There was a clear direction things were heading in. And then that got completely swept away. We get teased with a plan B. The plan B never happens. And plan C is all over the place. So, of course, you're going to leave yourself open for the, to the possibility of someone going, you know what? This new quote-unquote plan ain't working, so we're going to go back to the original plan because there's a bunch of people online screaming for it. And even if it's not the biggest, most successful thing in the world, at least people are excited about it. They can articulate their feelings about it. They can get excited together. They can hate it together. It, it, it's, it's, it's creating emotions and reactions from people. Clearly, DC is not making any kind of consistent goodwill within the fandom right now because everything you know what's going on the aquaman movie makes i, I mean i, I recap this last week but aquaman huge hit shazam eh. joker huge hit birds of prey eh. 
Joker is its own thing. Birds of Prey tries to sort of move away from Suicide Squad while still being connected to Suicide Squad. Shazam wants to move away from the old ways, but it keeps referencing the old ways. We have a new Batman movie coming that has nothing to do with the old stuff, but we have a Suicide Squad movie that's presumably also set in Gotham that is sort of connected to old stuff. Like, it's so confusing and it's so like needlessly convoluted which is why honestly that's why I'm so open to the Snyder Cut that's why I'm so open to this re-examination and re-exploration of the DCEU because they moved they, they they attempted to move on from that but then didn't give us something epic in its place so now I'm sort of left with, well, okay, if, if this is the best you got, maybe we should just go back to where things were headed with some better creative oversight. You know what I mean? Like, the, to me, that that is kind of, I guess, the easiest way I can explain why I can speak so excitedly about what's going on right now. Because listen, a couple years ago, when it became apparent to me that they were moving on from Snyder's vision, I'm not going to lie to you, I was relieved. I was excited at the prospect of seeing these characters developed further by directors other than Snyder. You know, I didn't want to reboot. I didn't want to suddenly completely change the way DC looked and felt. I just wanted someone different calling the shots because I didn't really care for his take on these characters. So initially, when in, in the post-Snyder era, I was feeling pretty good. You know, I'm like, okay, listen, you know, it was a bumpy few years to be a fan of these characters, but Warner Brothers seems to have caught that, and now they're going to shift things in a different direction, and now I'm going to get to have my cake and eat it too, because I'm going to have all these characters that I've gotten to know and meet and build interest in, but now I'll get to see them developed by filmmakers other than Snyder, who perhaps have sensibilities closer to my own and a storyline that perhaps kind of goes in a direction that I find personally more pleasing. You know, so I was pretty relieved when the Snyder days were over. But the fact that here we are now, two and a half years after all of that drama, and DC on film is still sort of, I don't know what to make of it. I wasn't given an awesome alternative. So that's why to me, it's like, you know what? Screw it. Let's go back. Let's reassess where things were going. Let's see that Ayer cut. Let's see that Snyder cut of Justice League. Let's see what kinds of weird doors this opens up for content on HBO Max. You know, and, that, and that's another interesting thing too. Like another reason I'm excited is that I do think everybody wins. At the end of the day, everybody wins. Because for the last few years, for the last, I guess, seven years, there have been two camps. There have been the people who've been happy with where Snyder was going. There have been the people who weren't. And for the people who were happy with where Snyder was going, BVS and Justice League 1 and 2 and Suicide Squad, you know, all this stuff that was coming post-Man of Steel was very exciting for them. For those of us who didn't care for Snyder's vision, we've been sort of dreading where things were going. So it's like, you know, one portion of the fandom is happy, one portion of the fandom is kind of, oh no. Then post-Justice League, 
a lot of the people who were happy to see Snyder gone were now excited for the future, while all the Snyder fans were miserable about the future. And yet, now here we are in 2020 with a chance for everybody to win. Because now it looks like the folks who liked the DCEU, the folks who liked where Snyder was going to take things, they will now have HBO Max as a platform to further explore those stories. While the people who do want to see DC created by someone other than Snyder, who do want to see other filmmakers have the creative capacity to spread their wings and, and, and tell fascinating new stories with these characters that we all know and love, they'll have the big screen for that. They'll have the movies for that. So in an, in, a, in an interesting way, nobody loses anymore. The Snyder fans get what they want. The non-Snyder fans get what they want. And then for the people like me who just want to watch all things DC, I win no matter what because I'll be watching the stuff on HBO Max and I'll be there on opening night for the DC movies that are coming out. So it's, 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 uh, it's, it's just mind-bogglingly awesome the way things have turned around and in an odd way, the fact that Warner Brothers stalled on presenting a clear vision after Justice League somehow became all of this good fortune for us. It became good luck to us that Warner Brothers was seemingly so clueless after Justice League came out, which, you know, opened the door for all this stuff that's happening now. And it also sort of begs the question now, too, right? With all of this happening, with the Snyder Cut and the, the prospect of an Ayer Cut, you know, what does this mean for Man of Steel 2? What does this mean for Superman? What does this mean for the canon, so to speak? And on the one hand, I'm tempted to say that the canon doesn't really matter that much anymore. You know, we know that Jim Lee is a big fan of the multiverse concept. He was basically tagged the MVP behind getting Ezra Miller's Flash to cameo in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Remember, that was a that was a DC, that, that, that was a Warner Brothers film decision. That was a phone call to Greg Berlanti. That wasn't Greg Berlanti from this from the Arrowverse asking them, hey, it would be cool if we can get Ezra Miller. Is there any chance you'll let us do that? No, this was the film people, and this was apparently a directive from Jim Lee to get Ezra Miller's Flash into the Arrowverse, into the Crisis on Infinite Earths. So Jim Lee is big on this multiverse concept, on this idea of there being multiple versions of these characters, multiple Earths, that basically everything that's ever happened in DC live action has all existed under one huge multiverse umbrella. So we know Jim Lee, who comes from you know the comic book world, thinks in those terms is and is interested in that type of storytelling machination, the idea of the multiverse and having all of these different avenues to explore. So on the one hand, I'm tempted to say that canon no longer matters. But on the other hand, I have a feeling that the Snyder Cut, that perhaps one of the things that they agreed upon during their discussions was that at all costs, the Snyder Cut needs to end in a way that it doesn't trample on where the big screen heroes are. You understand what I mean? Where 
no matter what happens, even though it's a, it's a TV event now, even though it's HBO Max, it has to end in a way where Jason Momoa's Aquaman could have gone on to the Aquaman movie we saw, to where you know Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman can go on and and do whatever she's going to do in her next movies. I mean, 1984 is a prequel, and so was the first one. So they've had the benefit of not having to really you know worry about the things that happened in Justice League. But in general, you know, anything happening with this Snyder cut cannot impede on their big screen plans. I'm sure that that's part of it. And with that in mind, you know, with Man of Steel 2, what do you do, right? Because there's all these reports about what Snyder wanted to do with Superman and and the, the black suit and him being evil and him being controlled by Darkseid and us getting to see the nightmare sequence and Lois is murdered by Darkseid. You know, there was all of this craziness that's apparently, you know, kind of on tap for us, depending on what Snyder is able to use for his cut. And so that, you know, that creates the question of, all right, but what does this mean for Superman? You know, because his arc is clearly fairly sort of dark and controversial. In fact, it was so dark and controversial that, you know, the studio opted to have Joss Whedon reshoot all of the Superman bits practically. You know, so much of the Superman plan got scrapped and reworked that you'd almost feel like, well, there's no way that Snyder's movie would line up with having a Superman back. But you have to remember that even though Joss Whedon shot and directed the vast majority of what we saw in the theatrical cut of Justice League, that closing shot of Henry Cavill ripping the shirt open and flying into the sky, that was shot by Snyder. So that means that while he was still in charge of this thing, during principal photography, he was able to shoot that part of Superman's arc. He, you know, His movie was going to end with that version of Superman. So that means that even though so much had to get scrapped to turn it from two movies into one, and even though he had to completely rework the way that Superman returns from death and all of that, he still found a way to get there within his story, within his two hour and 20 minute cut that he showed the studio in January of 2017 or February of 2017. Henry Cavill's Superman ends up the good, optimistic, happy hero we know him to be by the end of it. So no matter what kinds of weird, dark, tragic twists are to await our Superman in the Snyder Cut, he's going to end in the same position we need him to be for the big screen movies. You know, so I think that really is one of the things we need to factor in as we think about the Snyder Cut, that they're not going to have anything in there that's going to make the big screen creators have a hard time with these characters. You know, I think ultimately everyone will still end up where they got to be. And, you know, while we're on this subject of the story and the canon and, you know, how things are going to unfurl in this new cut of the film. I'm very curious to see how they address the elephant in the room. I'm very curious to see how much of Zack's original vision 
he tries to put forth, as opposed to the compromised vision that he was forced to use for a lot of principal photography. Because remember, folks, by the time April 2016 came around and it was time to enter production, you know, principal photography on Justice League, he was already working on a compromised script. He was, he was working on the version of the film that chopped the two movies down to one and had Jeff John's fingerprints on it. So when he was in principal photography, he had to shoot a lot of stuff that wasn't necessarily his original vision. And I wonder now, with this opportunity, is he going to have the, the, the possibility of going back and actually trying to tell the original story or at least bring back as many of the original elements as possible? Because now with the benefit of the, the, you know, breaking it up into perhaps a TV series and making it TV episodes, he could make this so much longer and he could really flesh out the stories. There's no longer that mandate of it has to be two hours. So, and if he's trying to make this, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League, then really this should be the one that's written by Chris Terrio and Zack Snyder. You know, that should be the version that we get for this. But I'm just fascinated to see if that's even possible. You know, because again, he already had to shoot a compromised script by the time it was time to shoot the film. So here with all of this Zack Snyder's Justice League talk, in the credits, is, the, is, you know, is Jeff Johns going to be labeled a writer on the film? Because that's going to be very telling. It's going to tell you right there that this is not 100% Zack Snyder's Justice League. And this, I'm not trying to stir the pot or, or you know, <laughs> um, create any controversy. But just for me, as a film nerd, as, as a total geek for all of these details, I'm just very curious about how much of the Jeff Johns alterations are going to unfortunately have to be part of this. You know, unfortunately, if you're Snyder, you know, if you're going into the editing bay now and trying to, you know, bring your baby to life, you know, it, for him, it's going to be like, ah, oh, but I, this scene is one that I had to fight for that I lost. And Jeff Johns, yeah, th this is his script that I had to shoot because that's what I had to do. You know, I wonder, is he going to bump into a lot of that? Or does the fact that the budget for the Snyder cut seems to be so high? mean that there's more to this than meets the eye. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but we'll go with it. You know, earlier this week, in an interview, someone, uh, Greenblatt, Peter Greenblatt, I'm not sure, Bob Greenblatt from Warner Brothers, uh, was uh, having a, uh, on a podcast talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League. And he was asked, you know, it's right now we've heard it could be, you know, up to $30 million dollars. And Greenblatt responds, basically going, if only it were 30 million bucks. You know, he's implying that there's going, it's much more than that. So let's say it's 40, let's say it's 50 million bucks. Like what does Snyder need all that money for? If according to certain people, there's going to be no actual reshoots. Because that's one of the big controversies now, too. I, sh I shouldn't say controversies, but right now there's a bit of a debate over whether or not there will be literal reshoots for the Snyder Cut. 
Right now, the idea is, you know, the, the going theory is that no, there won't be, that the Snyder Cut will strictly be a re-edited form of his original footage with all of the finishing touches put on, VFX-wise and, you know, score-wise and all that stuff, but that he's not actually filming anything new. And according to some wording I've seen in certain reports, you know, HBO Max said, no, you cannot shoot more, which I'm like, why would they take that stance and then give him, you know, more? than 30 million bucks to do it. I mean, listen, I, I'm i just a schmuck sitting in his garage right now. I don't know. Maybe 30 million bucks or 40 million bucks is just what it would cost to do all of the effects. But I, I tend to think not. So to me, as an outsider, it sounds to me like they're investing an awful lot of coin in this. And that tells me that homie's going to get to film some stuff. And, you know, conspiracy theories, connecting dots. It's very interesting that just as this is happening, now you've got Cavill in negotiations to return as Superman, but not for Man of Steel 2, right? Right now they're saying it's for appearances in other DC movies. So now my mind starts thinking, okay, Snyder is working on the Snyder Cut which has a very big Superman plot that w was not explored really at all in the theatrical cut, and who knows how much of it he actually got to film, right? We've got HBO Max pledging more than $30 million, and apparently much more than $30 million for this alternate cut of the film. And then you've got Cavill signing on to make appearances in DC films. And I start wondering, maybe one of the things that Cavill's going to have to get done as part of this new contract are some reshoots for the Snyder Cut. I think that's a very real possibility. But even beyond that, just when you hear about the expenditures and then you see the little... Um, there was a video of Zack Snyder. He participated in a cool event uh, hosted by Comic Book Debate, looking at the you know the the road to the release of the Snyder Cut. And you see on a little on, on a dry erase board there in his office stuff about Harry Lennox and the Martian Manhunter, which is that you know, remember and he was teasing that in the THR thing last week. Remember I brought that up in episode one oh nine that they dropped this whole interesting hint about how weird and interesting it would be to follow the storyline of an alien infiltrating one of the highest offices in government in the United States. I'm telling you, he's planning on shooting some stuff. I think he's going to get Harry Lennox back. They clearly have a very good relationship. Harry Lennox was who came out at San Diego Comic-Con in 2013 to read that speech from The Dark Knight Returns and unveil that Batman versus Superman was on the horizon. Harry Lennox is teased in that THR thing. And then over on the Twitter, T you know, Harry Lennox posted something very sweet and kind about how just this is for Snyder, you know, for Zach to now have a chance to tell his story his way. And the love fest continues because then Snyder shared that. 
you know, something's going on with Harry Lennox and Zach and Martian Manhunter. It's just a hunch, but that's going to, in other words, he's going to film stuff. And if he's going to film stuff, there could be Martian Manhunter. There could be Superman because now Henry Cavill is, you know, apparently in talks. So folks, there is some very interesting stuff percolating on the stove that we all have to just kind of step back and brace ourselves for, because from what I hear, HBO Max is going all in on Zach. You know, I, it's not just about the Snyder cut and that's why there's now movement on an Ayer cut. HBO Max is very intrigued about all of this DCEU stuff. It's not just the Snyder cut. There are, you know, it's just, we're scratching the surface on how far down a rabbit hole we're going to go here on HBO Max. And granted, it's all going to hinge on the success of these projects. It's going to hinge on, you know, uh, subscription numbers and viewership numbers for the Snyder Cut being very successful and being very strong. And, you know, and let's pause and let's discuss that for a second, because that's a big you know, thing I've seen some people who are skeptical say. They go, well, you know, the, the release the Snyder Cut movement is not that many people. You know, let's say you want to round up, you want to, you know, you want to say it's 25, 30,000 people, you know, it, it's, that's not the kind of number that's going to make the Snyder Cut a huge runaway hit. But folks, that is such a short-sighted thing to say. It's, it's, you know, and it's it, no offense to folks who have said it, but just think for a second, because no, it's not just the release, the Snyder Cut people who are going to see it. You're going to see it too, schmuck. <laughs> You're going to see like so many people are going to see it, but especially the folks who are claiming that it's only the release the Snyder Cut people. No, those people are also going to watch it because all these you know all geeks and bloggers and people who are into superhero movies, everyone on social media who's had any kind of opinion about the Snyder Cut, not just pro it, just any kind of strong opinion about it, whether you think it's, you know, it's a, it, it, it was the greatest campaign ever, whether you think it was filled with the most vile, toxic fandom, whether you think this movie is appealing to a tiny little niche audience that really is not going to make a dent in anything, or you're of the mindset that the Snyder Cut really is going to change everyone's minds and you're part of this huge collective of fans that's going to create this huge wave of love that's going to change everything about the DC on film landscape. You know, no matter what camp you're in, you're watching the Snyder Cut. So that's why I'm like, it's a very short-sighted thing to look at it like it's just going to be the 25 or 30,000 people who've signed the petitions and, 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 and use the hashtag. It's like, no, no, it's not. At this point, it's become a thing. Other celebrities have retweeted it. It's been written about in major newspapers. It's been, it's been in the trade reports. There's going to be so much curiosity around this movie 
that even even people who don't necessarily give a damn about DC movies, even if let's say you're like someone who's just strictly a Marvel fan and you don't, you know, all you ever like to do is dump on DC and you know do the immature us versus you. We're middle schoolers at a cafeteria. I'm a Marvel guy and I'm cooler than you type of thing. Let's say you're that kind of person. If you have HBO Max and you hear that there's this alternate cut of Justice League and you're going to see all these epic looking trailers, you're going to be very, you're going to be very, at the very least, very intrigued at the prospect of that. So this thing is going to appeal to a very wide range of fans. And right now, remember, we're living in San Diego Comic Con is pop culture. Because early on, right, you go back maybe 10, 15 years, geeks, it was still like a niche thing. We were still kind of a subset of pop culture. Pop culture still belonged to other entities. But in these last 19 years, last 20 years, little by little, and especially in the last 10 years, pop culture has become us and we have become pop culture. So geeks and fanboys all know about Justice League and the Snyder Cut. They all have an opinion about Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. They all have strong opinions one way or another about this movie and about these characters. And when you offer all of these people an opportunity to see an unexplored path with these characters from the comfort of their own homes on Sunday night at eight o'clock with Hollywood caliber actors and cinematography and killer effects, they're going to be able to just watch this. Folks, do not underestimate the power of what this is going to be. And HBO Max seems to already be on the vanguard of seeing that. And they are ready to invest. They are excited. And I think if you're any kind of fan of DC or of superhero cinema, you should be very excited too. And that's kind of the thing with Zack Snyder's films, isn't it? Whether you love them or you hate them, you've got something to say. I, I should say, yeah, I, I'm one to talk. I've literally been saying things about his movies for years and years on this freaking podcast. So I, the proof is in the pudding that whether you love him or you hate him, he makes you feel something. Which is honestly another thing working in this film's favor, because everyone's going to have something to say. So people are going to want to see it just so they could be in on the conversation. You know, the whole online of Twitter and Reddit and all that stuff is going to be on fire when, when the Snyder Cut of Justice League comes out. And everyone's going to have FOMO. So everyone's going to want to see it so that they can say it was the best thing ever or so they can say it was utter trash. And so that they could then get into heated debates about why it never should have been released to begin with and why the Joss Whedon version is better. Like it, people are going to see it just so they could get online and argue about it. So it's like this film has so many different elements working in its favor now. 
that I honestly think the sky's the limit on where this is going to go. And I'm just very excited to see uh, what doors are going to get opened and things are going to get real weird if this is as successful as I think it might be. And then the big screen stuff continues to be up and down. You know, it's going to be just fascinating. And I touched on that at the end of last week's episode of like looking back on these last few years is going to be very strange if the Snyder Scott, the Snyder Scott, easy for me to say, if the Snyder Cut is this huge runaway success and DC on film continues to sort of just be an up and down proposition with absolutely no brand loyalty or equity being built because you've absolutely burnt out your audience with an inconsistent vision that didn't meet even the most modest expectations. And in a way, I'm glad that it's Justice League that's going to create all this excitement next year. Because come hell or high water, at least this Justice League movie will be remembered forever unlike that turd we got in theaters. And I say that, and I, it's, it's harsh, because you look, it's not really a turd, okay? But I, I, I consider it one because it's so forgettable. I consider it one because on, in some way, shape, or form, I've spent my entire life waiting for a Justice League movie. As a little kid who grew up wearing Superman underoos and throwing his action figures around the bedroom because he thought they could fly and then the heads would break off and his parents had to buy him a seventh other Superman figure. As that kid who grew up into this guy who watched all the superheroes get their due, I've been waiting for Justice League for so freaking long. And finally, when it came out, it was this, eh, it was cute. It was a harmless, toothless, family sort of kid superhero movie. That's kind of what it ultimately became. It just became a cute little kind of fan service weird, homogenized thing. And it was perfectly pleasant, not a terrible movie, but just ultimately feckless and forgettable. And to me, the idea that Justice League, that the first ever Justice League movie could be forgettable is just, it, it, that hurts my, 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 my fanboy heart so much that for me, thank goodness that the Snyder Cut exists. Thank goodness, because now we have a chance at a Justice League movie that will actually have a legacy and be remembered for years and years to come. At the very least, the Justice League deserved to have a legacy. And now, thanks to the Snyder Cut, it will have one. And I'm going to leave you with this. HBO Max executive Kevin Riley said this on a podcast earlier this week about the level of quality. That's what we can expect from the DC content on the network. He said, Greg Berlanti has done a lot of really quality DC fare for the CW. These will not be that. These will be next step up in production value. You can expect the highest level of cinematic production values on those shows. And that's the same for the projects we've announced with J.J. Abrams. When I read stuff like that, and I hear some of the things I've been hearing, I get goosebumps. My friends, I think HBO Max 
is the future of DC. And the future looks pretty freaking bright. Until next time, life is chaos. Be kind. Adios. <laughs>